Hi, welcome to Goldmine. My name is Jessica Karras, and today I am really excited to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Sarah. And today, Sarah will be sharing her story. I really connected with Sarah right away. I met her through, um, we both live in the same apartment building, and we both have been deeply hurt and wounded by the church and have been able to work through the healing and somehow keep our relationship with Jesus and understand grace and his love and his kindness and his goodness and separate the lies and the junk and keep the gold. And I'm just so excited to introduce her and to give her space and use her voice to share her heart and her story. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay, so we are on right now, and this is my friend Sarah, so that's not her real name. We're using an anonymous name here, kind of a general name. Um, Sarah, thanks so much for being on and willing to share your story with the listeners here. I was wondering if you, I'm just going to open it up to you to share um, any parts of your story. And um, yeah, so go ahead. Cool. Yeah, Jessica, when you asked me to be on your podcast about people who have been hurt by the church but still love Jesus, I was excited about that. Um, And I guess the first place to start is to just kind of define of like what when people say the word church, like what we think it says and like what the Bible actually defines it as. Right. Yep. What we think of is like a club (laughs) or like merely a a cultural belief and cultural Christianity in America has taken the good gifts from God and molded Jesus into what we're most comfortable with. And David Platt says something along the lines of, if we're not careful, we'll be molding the Jesus of the Bible into our own image instead of being molded into his. And ultimately Jesus tells us to love one another. And if we're not doing that, we're truly not Christians. Um, And the true Jesus of the Bible says that we're to love one another and that he showed us that by sacrificing himself for us. And so we don't get to define what love one another means. God does. And there's a real part of what we refer to as the church is actually cultural Christianity and that the church as in a building of people um, who claim to be Christians but aren't actually following Jesus. So, yep. When we see a need, like as true followers of Jesus, when we see a need or somebody asks for help, we can't just say like, oh, I'll be praying for you and not even do it. You know, we hear that all the time. Um, but Jesus says we actually need to sacrifice ourselves and even be inconvenienced to meet each other's needs. Mm, and That's good. Yeah. And like what um, follower, people who are following Jesus, um, what they, what it, like what the Bible defines as the church is people who are surrendering their lives and identities and everything to Jesus and um, people who the Holy Spirit is living inside. And the key word there is surrender because, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus sacrificed so much for us 
And for us to just like add him on is not what he's calling us to do. So Mm -hmm. um, I know you just kind of wanted to hear a little bit of my story. And um, so basically I was raised in a proclaimed Christian home and outwardly we were we had to wear like our perfect masks and inwardly it was just a chaotic mess and we were just props told to act and look a certain way and not to air our family's dirty laundry, which was pretty dirty. And so from a young age though, I did really love Jesus and he was always really near. I definitely experienced God as a father and could clearly see the distinction between God who is a good and perfect father and my biological dad who is a sinner like we all are, but you know, he was not the greatest. Um, and I knew that I was safe with God and he taught me a lot of things that my parents didn't. And, um, as a teenager, I clearly remember praying and God speaking to me through prayer, um, and his word about being pure and not getting wasted like all the rest of my friends in California were. Um, but I just, I understood the why behind it, even though my parents didn't talk about that sort of thing. Um, but the one good thing that my parents did do was, they like forced us to memorize the Bible, which actually ended up being a good thing. Um, when I was 15, our world completely fell apart. And God never left me or forgot me. And in fact, he was so close to me that as I had to go through those things alone and my parents kept trying to hide our major hardships, um, God was there and he was faithful. Hmm. And um, But when I was 17... Um, somebody from, as I define, like the church building, um, from the church building, um, did something, right. Yeah. (laughs) He did something um, unconsensual to me. Um, and it really devastated me like a lot. And he would threaten me and misuse scripture to manipulate me. And I was too scared and ashamed to tell anybody. Um, and he just continued to threaten me and wouldn't leave me alone. So I tried moving out of state to get away from that person, um, and he just wouldn't leave me alone. So I you're up. Can so I, I quick can ask you yeah. something? Um, so mm-hmm. was this person a part of a leadership in the church? Um, was it a he, was on, he was like on the worship team. <laughs> okay, so he was he was a part of leadership. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, but basically like, I mean, nobody knew about that. Like, I don't think anybody would even know that he was even like that. Um, Mm. and I was just, you know, I was so young and naive and just afraid basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I ended up moving to Europe so I can get away from him. And I looked for like any possible way that I can, um, go. And I saw that there was like a Bible school and I was just like, yep, anything I'll go. And so as a teenager, I moved across the world completely alone. Um, And in that school, I quickly realized that this was not a legit Bible school. They would have, like, false prophets come to the school. And the things that they taught about, yeah, and the things that they taught about the Bible were just so obscure. And the environment was just really not a good one. And I just remember thinking, like, as, you know, a young teenager, like, God, if you're even real. Which, I mean, at that point, I knew he was real because... He had been so close and I had known him, but it was just such like a tough time. Yeah. You know? Just a lot of confusion and Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just like, I just remember praying, like, God, if you're even real, I feel sorry for you that these people are your representatives. Um, and you know, I don't think that now like I mean, 
I know the difference now, but I just remember thinking that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us have <laughs> thought that. Um, but our school, like, well, can I quick? Right? Can I quick ask yeah. you? Um, so when you were thinking, I'm sorry, these people are your representatives. Mm-hmm. What can you kind of pinpoint specifically? What about this group made you feel sorry for God? Well, I think I just didn't understand at that point um, the difference between true followers of Jesus and people who were religious. And so um, people who were religious and it just being a lot of outward motions or just like, you know, just this like circus kind of thing. Um, Okay. So it seemed very showy to you. Yeah, and I and just didn't real. understand. Okay. And they just, there was no love at all. There was just like a lot of condemnation and there wasn't any love mm. and just didn't. I just, mm. from what I knew of Jesus, there was a disconnect, you know, because mm. I know I knew Jesus to be loving. And I saw That's that like, beautiful. I saw that there was, you know, with my parents or with this school, I just was like, this just isn't adding up. But I was still so young and I just didn't understand um, mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, our school ended up going on this trip um, to another country, and I decided to quit because I just felt it just didn't, it just felt like not good. Um, And so they just like left me in this very dangerous city in Eastern Europe. And here I was, this underweight teenage girl, totally alone. And I had the equivalent of like $20, like US dollars. And um, wow. actually, like, one of the guys from our school actually gave it to me because he was like, you have no money. Like, what are you doing? Like, here, at least take this. Um, and I'm just sitting there with, like, my giant suitcase and nobody spoke English around. And, like, it was, like, night was approaching. And so I was pretty freaked out. Like, I think that was the scariest time of my – it was, like, a, definitely, like, a big turning point. And so long story short – I came face to face with death for the first time and I cried out to God and immediately this blanket of peace came over me and the situation changed. And I just remember God just being like, these people are not my representatives. And I ended up getting out of the country that night and I never doubted God again. Um, However, I was still wrestling with like the anger and the confusion and I just Right. Yeah. And I just kept trying to get myself together in my own strength and I just kept failing. And so I had years and years of this struggle and it wasn't until years later that I finally got it and I finally understood. So basically like growing up, I believed that God was holy and that I was separated him because of my own sin. I knew that Jesus came to sacrifice himself for me and to pay for my sins so I can be made with right or right with God. Um, and I, and I went to that church, like the church building that I went to told me things that now I know aren't true, but they told me things that, you know, God forgives you and he understands your heart, which is, is true. But in my own sin, I totally was abusing that grace, um, that God had gave me. And I did not understand how costly it was. And so, like, I mean, it cost God his son. Like, Jesus had to take all of my sins on himself. Like, he had to pay for that. And he died the death that I deserved. And I just didn't feel the gravity 
of my sin and I didn't fear God at all. I just feel like the culture that we had was just very like, you know, God forgives you. And so because of that, I mean, I know some people come from really oppressive backgrounds of like different religions and stuff or different forms of like Catholicism or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like mine was so like loose (laughs) that like, Mm -hmm. it was like, there was just so much abuse there that was kind of like glossed over, you know? Um, Mm. And so I didn't have, I didn't have any fear of God. I didn't have any gravity for my sin. I just kind of pulled God out of my pocket whenever I needed him, like wherever in the world I was. And I totally wasn't following him. I kind of viewed him like as that he followed me around, (laughs) like that he followed me around. Um, and this was after, this is how you viewed him after everything that happened in the other country. Yeah. I think I just still didn't get it because I just kept seeing like, okay, like I know he's, I know I'm told he's my savior and he, he does save me. Like he, he has, but I didn't understand it as like eternally, like that he saves me from my sin. I just kind of saw him as like this free pass to help me through life kind of thing. Would you, would you mind explaining, like when you say the word sin, Mm -hmm. what is that word? What, how do you define that? Like, how would you describe that? Yeah. So like, you know, in the Bible, God gives commandments of things that we are not to do. And there's things that we are to do. And because we are born we're not perfect like we are not like god god is perfect like we do things that are wrong like we hurt other people which is you know kind of what we're talking about with um you know what we're coming from um we do like all these things that are wrong and like that needs to be paid for and so jesus is the one who had to pay for that because we can't do that because we're not perfect and he is. And so, um, that's what I mean. That's what I mean by sin. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically like I was just completely missing it and, um, yeah, just in my selfishness. So do you, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. So do you feel like when, do you just feel like you just weren't thankful for the love that he showed? No, I feel like I, in some ways I was very thankful in my own, like in my mind, I wouldn't have thought I was unthankful because I really always thanked God, but I think I just didn't understand. I think it was just me being young and like lacking okay. the understanding of ultimately who God is, ultimately who I am, ultimately like all of those things, you know, of just like being young yeah. and not understanding and then being raised okay in a way where you're taught one thing, but then you're just like kind of trying to sort it all out and trying to be like, what does Mm -hmm. this even mean? And especially because I didn't want to be religious. I didn't want to be like the people that I had seen around me. And, you know, I did see some really amazing people, but it's like, I think like the negativity sticks out a lot more and is more damaging, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of carried that around. Um, And so, yeah, I just, yeah, in my selfishness, I just kind of viewed God as someone who served me instead of the other way around. And I said I loved him, but just like the people that I would have defined as the church, like I wasn't loving my neighbor either. And 
about six years ago, um, God really showed me a lot of sin in my life that I was really unaware of. Um, and really just like, like, I'm just gonna be really vulnerable with like some of this stuff. Like, I'm really ashamed to like admit this. But God showed me that I was racist. And I didn't think mm-hmm. I was. <laughs> um, but he definitely showed me that I was. And um, he showed me that I was judgmental, that I was unforgiving, and that I was missing the point. And the more and more that I studied the Bible and spent time with God, the more he showed me major areas of sin. And he showed me through his word that he wants people from every single nation on this planet to know him and to love him and to know his love. And the Bible says that they mm. will. Mm-hmm. And so through that piece of like every single nation, that completely freed me from my racism because I just mm-hmm. really got it of like, whoa, like I grew up thinking like Jesus died for me, period. You know, I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, and I loved other people, but it was just like a very American, like a, like a very American mm-hmm. culture way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really ever think of it like globally that like Jesus loves everybody. He died for everybody and he wants, he paid for everybody. He wants mm-hmm. everybody to be there um, with him. And so that was something, yeah, it just like totally freed me. Um, and I'm so thankful that he did that because now I have the honor of, having really deep friendships with people and cultures all like literally all over the world and um, Mm. being able to share how much Jesus loves them. And a lot of them like haven't heard that, you know, and we've had a lot of people um, from so many countries and backgrounds live with us in the past couple of years. And it's literally only by the work of God, like that was all, (laughs) that was Mm. all him to change me. Um, and he's also helped me forgive a lot of people from my past. And even though I still struggle with that because, like, I know that in light of, like, how much I've been forgiven, like, I like how can I not forgive others? But I am such a work in progress and I struggle because it's, like... Well, right, yeah. Yeah, like, many people um, who profess to be Christians don't show God's love. And unfortunately, like a lot of people too, when you, it's so easy to forgive somebody or not like easy, but it's easier to forgive somebody who has said that they're sorry or who have admitted what they've done or have changed. But it's so hard to forgive people who think they haven't done anything, you know, or just like don't. And so, um, yeah. And of course, like, I'm not perfect. I like I don't always show um God's love like how I should. Um and but I also want I just want God to give me the humility that if I'm wrong to do that. Um mm. but yeah, and also like um and I know like so many people listening to have experienced that. Like have experienced a lot of hurt and it's so hard to forgive. Um but God did show me that those people aren't like the people who have hurt me or hurt us. Like if they are doing those kind of things and they are not loving, that's maybe a good indicator that they're not actually his, his people. And if they're not clearly living how Jesus tells us to live, 
um, you know, that's like a good indication that maybe they're not actually followers of Jesus. And God taught me to be careful to not be judgmental of those that I would be considered, um, that I would consider being judgmental as well, because it's like, I can point fingers and say they're judgmental, but then, you know, maybe then I'm also being judgmental, but God is to show them love and to be a good example and to say the truth in love because they're also my neighbor. And I was listening, um, I was listening to a sermon recently where a pastor was saying, you know, we have to be so careful to say like, I love God, but I can't stand the church because, because I used, I mean, I used to say that like, honestly, like all the time, but it is kind of like saying, he was saying, like this pastor was saying, it's kind of like saying like, if your buddy says, Hey bro, I love you, but I can't stand your wife or a wife saying to her husband, like, babe, I love you, but like, I can't stand your body. And, and like, we just don't, we just don't do that. And God's true people will be sacrificing for others. They will be sacrificing for the poor. They'll be looking out for orphans and standing up for injustice. Um, they're supposed to look so different and they will, like those people do look so different. Um, and in the Bible does talk about, there are wolves among the sheep. Yeah. So it's when we refer to, I know when you say the church, you're, you're not referring to the building, you're right. referring to the people. Um, you're referring to God's people right. that say that they're God's ch- child. But in reality, Jesus calls some people wolves yeah, because they not only are not loving, they're actually very cruel yeah, um, and, and harmful. Right what like what you experienced yeah and there's actually um is it okay if like i read a passage real quick that kind of talks about that yeah so um this is from the niv version and it's just it's matthew um it's in matthew 25 and so it's talking about the sheep and the goats and so it says when the son of man comes in his all in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one another from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from his goats. He will put the sheep on his right and his goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed. You, those who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will turn to him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will reply, truly, I say to you, whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes. You did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? And he will say, truly, I say say to you, who who you did not do to the least of these, you did not do to me. And, you know, Jesus says over and over, like, if we are his followers, 
we will care for one another and we will love each other and we will um, actively make disciples of all nations or tell people like about Jesus in every country. And if we're doing that in humility, we just need to come or if we're not, if we aren't doing that in humility, we just need to come to God and ask, like, are we really followers of Jesus or are we deceiving ourselves? Because this isn't like works that's going to save us. Like, it's not like about works, like working our way to be good enough for God, because there's no way Mm -hmm. like we can't do like we can't do that. Jesus did that for us. But this is just an overflow of like if God's love and his spirit's really in us, then it'll be like pouring Mm -hmm. out of us, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's right. And like also like in regards to the church, like the book of Acts is full of examples of how the church should be living. But unfortunately, because we've changed Christianity into like an American version, we rarely see the beauty of this played out. And instead we, but like, yeah, it's like, we're just seeing these, like this picture that's not supposed to be, but instead of like retreating and like us, like, like flipping the church off, which, you know, it feels like we want to (laughs) at times. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. it's better, like, instead of doing that, like, instead of retreating and flipping the church off, it's just better to be an agent of change within the church instead of an agent Mm -hmm. of destruction. Because if we love Jesus, Mm -hmm. we are called to that and we need to be praying for humble leaders. Mm -hmm. And so we can take all that passion and energy we have to say what's wrong, but we would be so right to, like, take that energy and invest it in prayer and use it for good because... You know, just to just to take that and turn it into good. And like Jesus talks about that in the Bible, like it's, mm-hmm. that's in the Bible and like the in the story of Joseph of like what man meant for evil, God will use for good. And right. so like, yeah, Jesus not only transforms our lives, but he transforms the way that we see people and how we'll treat people. That's good. I, I really like that. Um, I I I do want to add that for me personally, I did have to take a break from reading the Bible, even listening to worship music um, and church to get that healing um, that I really needed. And I do think it's important to forgive and um, just for God's grace to be at work, um, just healing and restoring. for when we are ready to, to be willing to open up to that trust. Cause I, I just think that trust is just really hard to um, rebuild that with other Christians and the church when you've been so hurt, wounded, abused, or betrayed. And I, I just want to say that I just give permission to the listeners to just take care and not to feel pressured or rushed uh, into doing something that you're just not ready for. And I don't, I know that you weren't saying that, Sarah, I know that that's not what you were saying. Um, But I just want to, I just want to say just for my own process, like it's taking me almost two years before I can, I'm, I'm right now, I am attending a church. I'm, I'm a member of a church that I love online and that feels very safe for me. To be able to do that, I don't know how I'd feel going in person at this point. I'm not sure if I'd be ready for that. But and I don't know if you want to say any more about that. You know, I think the thing, the thing about COVID that is 
a cool time is that um, people do have the freedom to listen to things online and kind of like not have to do things in person um, and just like learn mm-hmm. and and grow but like online like it's just yeah. a different time that we're in in COVID you know yeah yep yeah did you have anything else you wanted to share about your story that you didn't get to share yet um no or... <laughs> no well, I wanted to just say that this has been um, such a gift to have you share. And I know that I just want to say that. Um, so I, I have to keep remembering to call my friend Sarah, because that's not her real name. But she is um, such an incredible gift. Um, she is. She has been there for me um, and just been a strength and an encourager and um she has she has been an example of what she's talking about of just being very loving a very loving gracious person and um kind and so we are not done we're done with part one we are going to start part two and I have a few questions that I would love to hear Sarah share her heart and um based on some of the things that um that you've gone through Sarah I just want to would love for you to share some of your thoughts on on uh Christianity and and God and Jesus and how you process some things so I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and your heart and words of encouragement and life and hope. I think there's just a lot of hope in your story that it, it just could have been over at so many points yeah. for you. And you could have just turned your back and walked away and you didn't. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more about that in part two. So Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and please come back and join us um, for more of Sarah's story and her thoughts on part two.